Welcome, misfits, miscreants, spooks, specters, astral beings from Dimension X, alien envoys from galaxies near and far, and boogers from around the world. You are listening to the Late Night Fright, only on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very lovely... My very talented, my very cagey co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Thank you to each and every one of you out there for tuning in to our little show. If this is your first time listening to the show, thank you for tuning in. If you're a regular with us here in Cozy Corner, thank you for your continued support. We know you have a lot of options when it comes to your time and what you listen to. We thank you for choosing to spend a little time with us. And if we may be ever so humble to ask a favor of all of you, please ask 500 of your closest friends to listen to the show. That's about right, That's, huh, Faith? Yeah, maybe even a 1,000 of your closest friends. A 1,000, that would be fine, too. Mm-hmm. Speaking of options, we're going to say this right here at the top of the show. We are drinking coffee tonight in the studio. Faith, what are we drinking? We are drinking Bones Coffee Company, and it is so good. Tell, tell them what flavor it is. We are drinking their pumpkin spice flavor, and it is called Jacked O Lantern. The artwork on this is wonderful. There is a very cute little skeleton riding a horse, and he has a pumpkin on his head. And Faith, this coffee tastes just like pumpkin. Just like it. No, it doesn't taste artificial. There is no, nothing artificial in this coffee. Nope. It's amazing. You can find them online at BonesCoffee.com. We came across them on the Instagram, and I will say this. Our lives are much better <laughs> for having done so and taken the plunge. And we spent... $25 on a five-pack sampler. And let me tell you something. We're not getting money off of this. We're. I just want you all out there to know how awesome this coffee is. So we got five packs of coffee in nice-sized packs. I think you get 10 pots out of each sample yeah, I think pack. they're four-ounce bags. They're four-ounce bags. I think it's 10 pots. Um, per bag? Or something like that. It's it's a nice chunk of cups, coffee. 10 pots, something, something like that. It lines. is a very nice... <laughs> Nice yeah. bit of coffee that you get for the $25, $5 sampler. And Bones Coffee, thank you so much for the awesome product that you have mm-hmm. given us. Well, it is Monday, Faith. And what do we do on Mondays? We do the Cage Match Mondays. That is right. We are doing a celebration of the filmography of one Nicholas Kim Coppola. That is Nicholas Cage to the masses, Nick Cage. And here on the Late Night Fright, we like to call him just... The Cage. Yep. The Cage. He doesn't so even is, need a first name, he does doesn't. he? <laughs> this is round six of The Cage Match. And what we have been doing, we took 16 Nicolas Cage movies. We are pitting them against one another tournament style to determine which film is the cagiest. We have five categories. Faith, overall movie. One of Faith's favorite favorites, hair. Mm-hmm. Voice. <laughs> face. And both of us love this next category. The undefinable thing that he brings to movies, the cage factor. You know, I think 
doing these movies. I think the voice has been my favorite thing. Voice to has spot. been your, yeah, your to, favorite to to to, uh, to listen for to you know and to, assign to, assign yeah. points to. It's been my favorite, I think. And here on the late night fright on Mondays in the cage match, we do not assign points. We assign nicks. That's right. So each category can get up to four nicks. We have had. One perfect score so far. That was last week. My score for Raising Arizona was a perfect 20. And Faith, you were 19 and a half, I believe. That's close. So Raising Arizona right now, it moved to the second round in the second bracket. Uh, it's going to be fun. So it's going to face the winner of this match. And good luck to the two films because their work is cut out for them. But we have two pretty good movies uh, tonight. Would you like to tell them? What they are. Sure. We have Snake Eyes versus National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets. Both very fine films. Very and, good. Uh, we did a little, uh, we took a back road talking about the coffee. I want to take another quick back road detour if that's all right, Faith. Absolutely. Uh, this is appropriate considering we're doing the cage match. It was announced this week that Paramount Pictures is indeed going to be doing a remake of the 1997 John Woo directed John Travolta, Nicolas Cage, starring action classic Face Off. It was in our round two of movies, week two. That episode is available wherever podcasts are found. Face Off went up against, what did Face Off go up against? That's a good question. National Treasure? It, it went up against the or first. Ghost Rider. I think it was Ghost Rider. No, it was National, it was National Treasure. Ghost sure? Rider and Mandy went up against each other. I can actually double check. Yeah. So we're going to have the... Uh, yeah, it was National Treasure. National Treasure. That was a good, that was a good matchup, it too. And, but it was announced this week that they are redoing Face Off. And I, want, I speak for my awesome, talented, and cagey co-host when I say, why? <laughs> why are you redoing Face Off? Why? I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it either. Do we know who is remaking it? We have no information on this as of yet. God. My grid buddy, Cade, and a good friend of the show, he said he thinks that they should just put Kevin Hart and Peter Dinklage in it. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with him on that. I think that would be, wow. I would actually go see that. Kevin Hart and Peter Dinklage. Possibly. <laughs> So our first movie in the dojo tonight is Snake Eyes. This came out August 7th, 1998. This was directed by the great Brian De Palma. Faith, Brian De Palma directed Carrie. You like that movie, don't I you? I do. He also directed The Untouchables, Mission Impossible. He's directed some really great films over the course of his career. This was written by David Kep from a story by David Kep and Brian De Palma. Kep is the writer of I Come in Peace, which is a 1990 science fiction action movie starring Dolph Lundgren that is a wonderfully underrated and almost forgotten gem of a movie. We need to do that on the show. It's a lot of fun. He also wrote Death Becomes Her, Carlito's Way, Jurassic Park. I've heard of that one. Hmm. Uh, the Paper, Mission Impossible, Panic Room, Spider-Man, Secret Window, War of the Worlds, Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. He also wrote the 2017 Tom Cruise Mummy film. So not wow. exactly a lightweight. <laughs> he's, he's written some movies. I see that. The cast here stars Nicolas Cage, of course. Wouldn't be in this show if it didn't score Nicolas nope. Cage. Gary Sinise is in this movie playing a role named Kevin Dunn. That is his character's name in the movie. The movie also stars an actor named Kevin Dunn. I wonder if that got confusing on the set. <laughs> and the role of Kevin Dunn was originally offered to Will Smith. Interesting little factoid there. Yeah. John Hurd is also in the movie, the late, great John Hurd. He just passed away. Mm -hmm. 
Carlo Gugino. She's making a second appearance here on the Late Night Fright. She was in uh, what is the Haunting of Hill House. Yes. That is available on TV Tuesday. That episode is available wherever podcasts are found. The aforementioned Kevin Dunn and Stan Shaw, a really great character actor, is in this movie. Uh, this movie was made for $73 million. It made $55 million at the box office, 106 adjusted. So it kind of underperformed. It was a little below expectations. Mm. And a little bit of trivia before we get into the movie. All right. This movie has two Rocky connections. Two mm. connections to the original Rocky film. Stan Shaw plays heavyweight champion Lincoln Tyler. In Rocky, he played Dipper, a heavyweight contender who was given Rocky's locker by Mickey. The fight choreography in this film was done by James Gambino, who played Mike. He was Mickey's assistant in that movie. He helped train Rocky for the big fight. So two Rocky connections in faith. We're both huge fans of Rocky, aren't we? Wasn't the uh, wasn't the trainer's name Mickey? I sw- in this movie, in Snake Eyes, I swear I heard them yell it, for think, a trainer named Mickey. And I, was, I went straight to Rocky. I, I, like, I think it was actually, and it probably was a little <laughs> nod to, to Rocky. I think you're... Cool. I think I noticed that too, and then I meant to make a note, but yeah, you know. it was one of those things. So, uh, brief synopsis here: uh, Nicholas Cage plays a policeman, Richie, Ricky, Ricky Santoro, and he has been invited to a heavyweight fight by his friend Kevin Dunn. And Kevin Dunn works for a member of the president's cabinet. He's the defense secretary. There is a hurricane going on. It's happening in Atlantic City. And what happens is the defense secretary is killed during the fight. And the auditorium is shut down there on the casino. And so he begins conducting an investigation. And one thing leads to another. It turns out that his friend Kevin Dunn is actually behind the assassination attempt and so it's a race against the clock you learn some things about cage along the way that he's maybe not exactly a great guy and it's a pretty good thriller i think so does that about sum it up though the, the I synopsis think so, yeah. yes and it really has kind of a downer ending he <laughs> is able to uh flush out the assassins he protects the carlo gugino character who knows something about a missile defense system that could cost lives and and the movie is trying to say something about you know national defense and people and the country and but really it's just a it's a thriller at its heart is what it is but he saves the day and then it ends up that he has to go to jail because it comes out that he has not exactly been operating always on the right side of the law that is correct so well, what did you think of snake eyes i like this movie i liked it more than I thought I would going into it. Does that make any sense? It you makes know? complete sense, yeah. Because um, seeing those numbers of how it did in theaters, you know. Mm-hmm. But I really liked this movie. I was entertained. This was a big deal when it came out because we talked about The Rock and Face Off and Con Air. He did those movies back to back right. to back. And this was the one that he did after those movies. He really became, really? The, he was one of the biggest movie stars in the world. And if it wasn't the movie right after Face Off, it was, it was, two movies after Face Off. but So this was expected to be really huge, and it just kind of showed up, and, and people enough people saw it, but not enough people saw it kind of thing. So I saw it in the theater. I enjoyed it, I enjoyed, but I wasn't overwhelmed by it. And, well, and I had What do you think feeling, going back watching it for this? I really like him in it. I think the movie is... There's something missing or... Is better because he's in it. The movie starts off with a bang the first... 10 or 15 minutes of this movie is fabulous. (laughs) Yeah. And it is 
edited as one shot. I believe there is a seven minute continuous shot that opens this movie where you follow him around the arena and there are edits in it, but it does feel like a a continuous, I think 13 minute shot and he's fabulous in it. Mm -hmm. He is, you really get to spend time with cage and you really feel like he is this guy, this, uh, kind of snaky, snaky Atlantic city. Yeah. Snaky (laughs) Atlantic city cop. And, and we're going to, we're going to get into more of his character in, in just a minute here. But, uh, I have a score for the film. I scored it 2.5 nicks for overall film is what I gave it. I actually gave it 3.5 nicks. 3.5 nicks. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I feel like I like every part of it, but every part just doesn't add up to a whole for me. I feel I like it, it loses a lot of steam sort of in the end, actually. And it yeah. was heavily edited. I was reading toward the end. There was a whole bit where the hurricane was happening outside and the casino flooded. And there was an action sequence that they ended up taking out. And... Hmm. So I feel like that last act is kind of it. It doesn't took away for you quite do it for me. Yeah, I get that. So, but um, but it's a it's a fine movie. I scored at that for those first thirteen minutes of how fantastic, isn't it? Those were good. I mean, that's a great start of a movie. So it's fantastic. So let's uh, let's save let's save the costume for Cage Factor. Because I want to talk about his outfit in this movie. That's where I have the outfit. In Cage Factor? Okay. Uh, Faith, how did you score hair? 2.5. I went three on the hair. And we've seen this kind of idea with his quaff Mm -hmm. before. And uh, I like his look here in this movie. It's very tight on the sides. It's very tight up top. You know, it's... it's, um, doesn't quite look like a hairpiece. Okay, see, I think it does. You think it does? That was my note. I said this definitely seems to be a hairpiece. Okay. okay. <laughs> but it looks good. Nothing too crazy. Yeah, it's nothing too crazy. It's very it's very high and tight, and it just seems... So we're split about being a hairpiece. <laughs> we're split about it being a hairpiece. It's definitely a hairpiece. How, how did you score voice? I gave the voice 2.5 nicks. I also gave it 2.5 nicks, and... I gave it the 2.5 because of the first 13 minutes of the movie because he is just so over it yeah. and and animated in those first 13 minutes. And, and he's doing those vocal cadences like we've talked about yep. on the show where he's down here and then he goes up and he, exactly. and he you know, very excitable and very cage. And but then when he becomes the investigating officer on this thing, it, it really becomes very serious and mm-hmm. very just normal cage. That was my note. Literally, he had moments of the cage voice, but then it, that was it. There was <laughs> right. Right. I went two nicks on the face. I also did two nicks on the face. And it got the two nicks. Because, again, those first 13 minutes, he's so animated in yeah. those first 13 minutes. And then it just becomes very serious. Yeah. I think he just plays straight, you know, throughout the rest of the movie. Almost like a cigar store Indian, as I said in the <laughs> Saturday Night Live skit. He's, he's very stone-faced for the rest yeah. of this movie. And, and understandably so, but... It's so wonderful what he's doing at the beginning of this movie. And finally, the cage factor. How did you score the cage factor here? I gave it three nicks. I went two five. All right. I went two five. And some of it is because I feel like the movie, the movie never let him let loose in the last half of the film. I felt like it could have uh, benefited from some of his manic energy. The it's, manic energy that he it has in the beginning of the movie. Um, why did you score it the way you did? <laughs> I gave it three for the fact that he has a gold cell phone. 
and he dresses like Mr. Furley from <laughs> Three's Company. <laughs> okay, so the outfit, the uh, the shark skin suit that he's wearing. And as we said, um, Ricky is not a good guy. He is the hero of this piece, but he's not a very good guy. He's right. married, but he has a mistress. He is He's running numbers. He's taking bribes and money from wherever he can get it. But he seems like he's a, a decent enough fellow. Right. He's just not, you know... Uh, doesn't doesn't isn't exactly on the up and up, but that shark skin suit that he's wearing and what color is it? It's like a brownish, yeah, um, like a brownish orangeish orange. Yeah, brown rust. It's yeah, a rust. rust it's a rust colored suit <laughs> that he's wearing. When I see him in that suit, knowing what I know about the movie now, you know, twenty years after the fact, and I see that character, I'm like, of course that's what he wears, and like that's his idea of something really like nice you know this is what he wears out you know and he's got that kind of yellow leopard print Mm -hmm. sort sort of shirt on underneath it for the first third of the movie and then Mm -hmm. he changes when he becomes the detective character but it it, the the costume and i couldn't find any information it would not surprise me if nicholas cage picked that outfit for himself i wouldn't be surprised it wouldn't surprise me one bit and it's it's wonderful. Like it's and it's one. This movie alone is worth it for the first thirteen fourteen mm-hmm. minutes of the movie until the actual assassination happens because right. he is just so on the way he's uh, his body, the way he's moving his body and 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 walking and yelling and the little interactions he has with Lincoln Tyler from Neptune High, as he says, you know, <laughs> and it's just really really neat. The other thing I really liked in this though is uh, Ricky. Going from what you see at the beginning of the movie, he's very wild and kind of chaotic. But when it comes down to business, he actually does get down to business and becomes, you know, the the lead investigating right. officer. And he's doing it to help Kevin Dunn, played by Gary Sinise. But he's also doing it because he's there and it's his job. So right. it's it, it's an interesting character. And I, I feel like there's so many interesting ideas in this movie that I like everything in it. I just don't like the way it all Played comes out, together. Comes yeah. Yeah, but I would I would definitely recommend this as a as a watch to anybody out there who hasn't seen it or might not have seen it in a long time. It really holds yeah. up twenty years after the fact. It's yeah. it's like I was entertained. I mean, I'd watch it again. Right? Uh, do you think? Uh, and I'm just spitballing here. Do you think Will Smith could have added something to this movie? His presence in the Gary Sinise. Role? I don't know if I could have pictured him in this movie. I thought Gary Sinise was really, really good. I think good. so, too. Really, I really I good. I don't think I could see Will Smith in this. And uh, Nicolas Cage, as we said in Con Air, he wanted to try and prove with that Alabama accent that he could play Forrest Gump, and he brought Bubba with him in that movie. In this movie, he brings Lieutenant Dan along for the ride. <laughs> I'm going to show you guys I could do it. I could have done it. <laughs> But no, this is a this is a really really well done movie, and I, I do recommend it. So, my total came out to twelve point five, and the average of my score is two point five. All right, I just have my average score here. It is two point seven. Close. Enough. Pretty pretty comparable. Yeah. yeah, pretty comparable. Good movie though, right? Yeah. Like, like really, a ninety minute. I, I, I enjoyed it. I wasn't bored. And, right. You know. Right. Some, I agree with you that it could have that last half of it could have right. definitely been a lot better, but you know, I didn't hate it. Right. And some really great hints of his brilliance in it. And yes. uh, it just I just feel like this movie because it's Nicolas Cage and Brian De Palma, it just should be something really spectacular. Right. And it almost is, you know, it, it almost is. There's a yeah. Brian De Palma movie from 1981 starring John Travolta called uh, Blowout. Which is a thriller, 
psychological thriller in the vein of Hitchcock, which is what this movie's trying to be. And I feel like it's a way better movie than that. And that's actually a movie that we are going to get to on the late night fright I've proper. I've never seen it. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Hmm. Uh, John Travolta plays a sound effects engineer who is out getting sound effects for a movie he's working on. And he ends up recording a uh, political assassination and becomes entangled in it. And it is a wonderful cat and mouse game. And it sounds cool. Yeah, it's great. It's, I think it's probably my favorite De Palma movie that and maybe the untouchables and then Carrie, you know, is up there. So, but, uh, he's a great filmmaker. It's just, and this isn't a bad movie, as we said, it's just, it it just, it just kind of, some of the pieces aren't like you said earlier. I I don't think this movie would be the same without Nicolas Cage. Yeah. So I think Cage really Cage makes this movie more interesting than it should be. Exactly. So, but uh, it's a fun movie. Yeah. Fun movie. So, all right, well, we are going to take a very short break. We have a new commercial here, a new show on WKMF. If you can believe this, we got Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top, the lead guitarist and lead singer of ZZ Top. He's got a new show here on WKMF. We're going to play the little promo for that show. And when we get back, Faith, we are going to talk about National Treasure Book of Secrets. We will see you on the other side. That's Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Join me on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio for Billy's Barbecue. We're going to talk about beer, tits, cars, sometimes the blues. Billy's Barbecue, only on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. How, how, how. Welcome back, Misfits and Misgrants, Spooks and Specters. You are indeed listening to the Late Night Fright on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And this is Cage Match Monday. So Snake Eyes came to a 2-5 for me, and I think it was a 2-5 for you as well. 2-7. 2-7. So next up is National Treasure, Book of Secrets. But before we get into that, Faith, what do you think of Billy's Barbecue that's going to be here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. That sounds really awesome. <laughs> right. Billy will you, Gibbons. Will you be checking that out? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'm hoping they ask me to go on the show. I think Billy's they, great. Uh, they, they should. I want to want to talk about all of those things, even though I don't drink beer. <laughs> Maybe I'll bring him some of this Bones coffee. You can invite me. I'll talk about the beer. All right. talk about everything else. All right. Because this, this Bones coffee seems like something Billy Gibbons would really like. Right? This is, this is great. And we were able to get a refresh yes. on the uh, on the break. So that's, that's fabulous. But National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets. This movie was released December 21st, 2007. It was directed again by John Turtletaub, who directed the original National Treasure. It was produced by Uber producer Jerry Bruckheimer. Nicolas Cage has made, I believe, four movies, four or five movies with Jerry Bruckheimer. Nice. So he and he knows how to use him. I think he really mm-hmm. knows how to how to use uh, Nick Cage. It was written again by the Wibberleys, the writing team who brought us the original National Treasure. It stars again Nicolas Cage. We also have John Voight returning. Harvey Keitel makes a return appearance. We add Ed Harris to the cast. I believe he's a good addition to this cast. He plays, I think the, so too. plays the antagonist in this piece. Diane Kruger is back, as is Justin Bartha. We also have Bruce Greenwood playing the President of the United States and one of my favorites of all time, Helen Mirren 
plays Nicolas Cage's mother in this movie. So a brief synopsis. If you listen to the original episode that we did on National Treasure, again, that is available wherever podcasts can be found. The synopsis for that movie is a lot like the synopsis for this movie. Ben Franklin Gates, played by Nicolas Cage, goes on a treasure hunt. That's about the gist of it, isn't it? <laughs> That's it. But he has a, a stake in this one. It's a, it's a personal stake because Ed Harris's character has said that Ben Franklin Gates, great-great-grandfather, I believe, was a conspirator in the assassination plot against Abraham Lincoln. So they go on a treasure hunt and they end up at Mount Rushmore where they find uh, sacred Native American uh, gold and, and, and a uh, hidden world under yeah. Mount Rushmore, I believe. Mount Rushmore was carved to hide this said treasure. And that's the movie. And the movie is also about Nicolas Cage and Diane Kruger getting back together. Yeah, and, and kidnapping the president. And, and kidnapping the president. Yeah, and finding <laughs> the book of secrets. Ooh, there's a book of secrets. And I just want to say this at the outset. I did not take points off in the movie for this, but they set up a sequel in this movie. And they have not made that sequel yet. And this movie did well enough to merit a sequel. It made $219 million at the box office when it came out. It is the biggest hit of Nicolas Cage's illustrious career. And when you adjust for inflation, it is still the biggest hit of Nicolas Cage's career at $280 million. So it did very big business. And they have been talking about doing a third one. They just haven't gotten around to it. And I, and there's still time to do it. I, mm-hmm. I would love to see them. I would too. And they set it up so wonderfully with page 40, I believe is what it is. Uh, the president, Bruce Greenwood, asked Nicholas Cage to look at page 40 of the Book of Secrets and help him out with something. And we still don't know what's on page 40, do we? Nope. Do you have any idea what's on page 40, Faith? Hmm. There could be so many possibilities. I don't know. I feel like we need to see Cage tangle with aliens. I feel like it's been too long since he's tangled with aliens. That would be... Or interdimensional beings or something something along those lines. So what did you think of National Treasure Book of Secrets? I like this movie a lot. I think I like this better than the first one, I think. I enjoyed this one a lot more than the first one. And the ironic thing is, in a lot of ways, it's a repeat of the first movie Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. But I feel like the things that I didn't like in the first movie... Too many chases, too much action at times. Like they they pared that down and they made a really just fun movie. Yep. A really fun little treasure hunt. I agree. I gave this movie three nicks out of a possible four. I gave it three and a half. Three and a half. I like the interplay between all of the characters. I especially like the Justin Bartha character of Riley Poole because you know, that comic relief has a tendency to kind of be annoying and over the top. Right. He is never annoying or over the top. He is just a part of the group yep. and a very integral part of the group. And I like the self-deprecating humor that he has, he, but he's not a sad sack and you don't think he's right. he's a loser or anything like that. He's just he's just Riley. It's great. <laughs> and I love the interplay between uh, Nicolas Cage and Diane Kruger. I think Diane Kruger is one of the best females that he's worked with on screen. They bring something out of each other. I don't know what exactly it is, but he seems to be having fun right. when he's they acting seem very with comfortable these people. together acting. Yes. And I 
I can see them being attracted to one another. Yeah. You know, John Voight, of course, is always great. Harvey Keitel. Now, I do feel like Harvey Keitel is so underused in these movies. It was almost like, well, he was in the first one. Let's put him in this <laughs> one. He just kind of pops up. And they didn't really kind of uh, play on the whole fact that he was a Mason, you know, because they set right. that up in the first one. I thought that would have come in here. But it's pretty exciting. And Bruce Greenwood is great as the president. I love the whole scene where he kidnaps the president. And they seem to know, the filmmakers seem to have realized that the whole thing in the first movie with, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence, you know, it was such a thing for people. Yes. <laughs> and you can tell that they knew because when he delivers the line, I'm going to kidnap the president, the camera pulls in on him ever so lovingly. Yeah. Like, like they know, like, that's the line. Like, this is what what the line is but there was a lot of stuff here i liked and helen mirren of course is great so john voight kind of gets a little romantic story and ed harris you know has a nice uh, yeah, love bit to do in this you know he's a he's a bastard but not exactly a bastard in the vein that sean bean was in the first one right. and there is something kind of redemptive about him at the end but it, it's just a really fun movie and I've, i say this about certain movies this kind of movie is the reason why we go to the movies Mm-hmm. To see something like this on the big screen and have a yeah. good time and forget about everything else going on in the world and to just have a really good time hanging out with these people who I enjoy spending time with. Yeah. Yeah. I like this a lot better than the first one. I, do. I like the history that they deal with, I think, in this mm-hmm. one a lot more. Okay. I don't know why. I just do. I think it, I don't know, it just attracts me more. Than the first one. And I said this on the uh, first one. This is the kind of movie that makes you feel smart when you're watching it because you're with them as they're figuring out these uh, cryptograms and all this. Did you feel smart watching this movie? Like a genius. (laughs) So did I. So did I. Well, let's go to the next category. Hair Faith. I scored this a three. I like his quaff here. I like the fullness of it. I like the length of it. I like uh, it looks very healthy. Oh my goodness, that's exactly what I put in my notes. I Which, gave it a three. Give it a three. And I said this, I think it's a hairpiece. It's definitely D- a hairpiece. And, and I yeah. said, I think he looks great and put together dot, 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 healthy. I was going to save this for the cage factor. He he looks healthy mm-hmm. in this movie. He looks very tan and, and healthy and there. Yeah. You know, And I'm not <laughs> saying that he ever looks unhealthy, but there's times, you know, as we've gotten into like these Netflix releases, the video <laughs> right. on demand where it just he looks beat down by right. life, you know, and he was on top of the world here and, and you can see it. And, exactly. and it's not an arrogance. There's not an arrogant thing about him. It's, he's very just confident and healthy in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I I really enjoyed watching him in this movie. I, I like he, he's the driver of this film. And I think he's I think he's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for voice, I scored it a three. I gave it 2.5. I gave it a three for the scene where he is in Buckingham Palace and he is having his little crazy episode and he starts yes. talking like a British guy. All right. All right. <laughs> I simply and that was that scene is the whole reason why the National Treasure 2 movie got into the cage match. Because there were so many ways we could have gone. I was like, but there's that scene where he does the yes. British guy, you know, like uh, I, I yeah, you went two point five. You said on the yeah, voice. I said there was no crazy, you know, cagey thing going on there besides those little moments. But he wasn't too over the top throughout the whole movie, you know. No, no, he was he, yeah, he was great. Uh, face, I went to two point five. Two point five. I never felt like there was you know there were a couple little moments where you know that 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 little doe eyed thing comes out that's, that he does. That's what I did. I there was like a little sparkle in his eyes at moments. 
Right. It was really nice. I don't right. know. <laughs> Again, he just looked very healthy here. He did. And for Cage Factor, I scored it 2.5. I think he's, as we said, he's there and he's healthy. And man, he's he's so present in this movie. But there's, there's not a lot of the uh, the everything on fire aspect of the of the Cage personality right. here. What did you... I you gave it, it a three for the I'm going to kidnap the president of the United States. Just... <laughs> Just that alone. Right. Again, I think they knew. I, I think they were like, you know, we had that Declaration of Independence thing. People really seem to like that, right. you know, and, and we need something like that in this movie. I'm going to kidnap the president. Yeah. So, again, it's just, it's a it's a really fun and well done movie. Mm-hmm. It's exciting and fun and non-controversial and just, you know, a good time at the movies. It's a good, yep. I enjoyed watching this movie. I had a Me great too. time watching it. I actually watched it two times. Very good. <laughs> Very good. So I, let's see, my total is 13.5 and my final total is 2.7 on National Treasure Book of Secrets. My total is 2.9. This was very close. I, I said this <laughs> last week that these were, this was going to be an interesting yes. matchup. This was going to be a very interesting, mas- interesting matchup. That coffee's just going through me, you see? <laughs> Bonescoffee.com. Check them out. They are absolutely wonderful. And as I said, we're not getting any money off this. Uh, so we are going to take a very short break to uh, average mm-hmm. average the total of these scores. And when we get back, we will let you know who is moving on to round two. We will see you on the other side. Nouveau Shaman, the new fragrance by Cage. A unique blend of chest hair, weirdness, strangeness, and one Academy Award. Nouveau Shaman. Nouveau Shaman, the scent that will rip your face off. Nouveau Shaman. Nouveau Shaman by Cage. Available in fine fragrance stores in Cozy Corner and around the world. Welcome back. I am Dan. And I am Faith. All right, here we go. We have the final tally of the scores. We had National Treasure Book of Secrets going up against Snake Eyes. Faith, what did it come out to? Snake Eyes has a total of 2.6 and Book of Secrets at 2.8. So we have a winner. It was very close. Mm -hmm. It was very close. This film, of course, will go on to face Raising Arizona and is an uphill battle (laughs) against Raising Arizona, which I think was both of our favorite movies so far. I think so, yeah. And we've had a couple of favorites in this. (laughs) This has been a lot of fun, hasn't it? It has, and I cannot believe there's only two weeks two more le- we- left of, you know. Yeah, two more weeks of head-to-head match, yeah. So sad. I may have asked you this on a previous episode, but I'm going to ask you again. Having done this now, this is our sixth week of doing mm-hmm. this. This is round six. So 12 movies in. Do you have a new respect for Nicolas Cage I as do. an actor and performer, having yeah, done this? I do. I think I... I've, you know, you watch him in these movies, but I think really watching him... And in, in scoring these sections, I don't know. I, you get this whole new level of respect, uh, you know, for him as an actor. Respect, yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely. I have a new appreciation and respect. Yeah, for him he brings something so totally different than what most people bring. And you know? I, I think it goes back to what we talked about with Peggy Sue got married when they said that Tom Hanks was the original choice for that and mm-hmm. was going to do the movie and something happened and. You know, you can put. I'm, this is nothing against Tom Hanks. I think Tom right. Hanks is great, 
But you have Tom Hanks, who does his thing and does his thing well, and time and history and all that has proven that he is one of our great actors and movie stars, right. you know. But then you have Nicolas Cage, and Nicolas Cage is the, and Tom Hanks is like a really great pop radio top 40 <laughs> song. And then you have Nicolas Cage, who is kind of punk rock and kind of classical and kind of jazz all rolled exactly. into one stuff that you might not hear on the radio. And I, like I said, I've really gotten a new respect for him. I'm, I'm I really do. glad that we've done this and we are going to have an episode after we do the finals and we crown the winner of the cage match because, you know, I know that film is out there waiting, waiting, has been waiting yep. for this, <laughs> for this title and the certificate <laughs> we're going to print off of uh, Microsoft word for it. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, we are going to have an episode uh, where we take 30 or 45 minutes and go through and give some of our thoughts and some interview snippets where we talk about whether or not Nicolas Cage is a genius. And there are several videos out there that talk about his acting style and how different he is. And so we're going to kind of boil that down and, and see where we stand on this. Uh, I think he's wonderful. If you have not watched him in a while or if you have been following him through this course of irrelevancy that he's in right now, these movies that he's in, this these video-on-demand movies that are on Netflix. We looked at the Netflix uh, picks for Cage, and there's like, I think, 15 of them up right yeah. now, and nine of them are movies that you've never heard of. Exactly. And he's so much better than that material. And I said it on the last show. I said, I am indeed writing a screenplay. If anybody out there knows him, this is his comeback film. Please help us get it to him it's very good. It is very it is. good. And I think he would he would do it. But uh, all personal plugs aside, he's wonderful. And if it's been a while since you've really watched him, go back and look at these movies the way that we have. Look at him and, and you know, the hair and the voice and all that. But look, just look at the things he's doing because he is doing things I have never seen actors do before. Not only is he doing things I've never seen actors do before, he has complete control of it. It is not laughable because he doesn't know what he's doing. And right. and he's I think he's one of a kind. He's really become my favorite actor as we've done this. Yeah. I love him. He's definitely in my top you know, my favorite actors. I think he's, he's up he's in a he's top five for me now. Yeah. And I've always had a healthy respect for him. I knew he was out there and different, but right. doing this and look at him as a as a as an older fella, you know, be, I say older, you know, not 15, 16 when he really became the movie star. Right. Because he was like the biggest guy in the world there for a few years when I was in high school. And it was amazing to see. And you kind of laughed at him because he's kind of goofy. He is. He's he's kind of a, a right, geeky. But he's different. Goof. And, you know, I mean, yeah. And, and we you didn't gotta love it. We didn't appreciate him properly at the time. I don't I think he's criminally misunderstood as a man and as an as a performer. So I think so. Big hugs to you, Nick. So enough of the of the love fest. What is next on the cage match? What do we have we next? We have Moonstruck versus Gone in 60 Seconds. This is going to be another very interesting matchup because you have a really fun Bruckheimer action movie going up against an Academy Award winning romantic comedy. So two movies kind of completely different, and he's great in both of them. I've so. never seen Moonstruck. Share won an Academy Award for it. So nice. so it's a great, great Italian film, too, about Italian. So you'll love it. Nice. You will love it. So, well, until next week when Moonstruck goes up against 60 Seconds, I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we want you to keep, keep your, your cage, cage on a leash. leash. We will see you on the other side. Dan. And I am Faith. 
And we want to let you know that we are on the World Wide Web. That's the interwebs, isn't it, Faith? That's what I like to call it, the interweb. www.latenightfright.com. And we are also on the gram. We are. You can check us out at the Late Night Fright Podcast. Or you can also follow my personal page, I'm a Normal Alien. You're not exactly normal, but that's okay. (laughs) Uh, Check out the website. You can subscribe to our mailing list. And if you like the show, please give us a review and subscribe and all that good stuff. You know us. We're available wherever podcasts can be found. You got that right. We'll see you on the other side.